You know, Brandon, as we are gathered here in this podcast room, mm. I think we need to partake of these drums in remembrance of Christ. Oh, they are a sacrament, you know. <laughs> they are a sacrament. Sometimes, sometimes what we say might be a little sacrilegious, <laughs> yeah. but they are a sacrament, yes. Oh, my uh, goodness. And all serious it is, because I know people are like, why do they keep talking about drums? I do, I do want to say that, like, drums, and I'm, I mean this, like, seriously, drums exponentially, and I know worship's not about me, but drums make worship so much more, like, not enjoyable, but, like, I don't know, I just feel like I... There's something. There's a connection. Where there really is. What's the rhythm? Yeah, it's the rhythm. Uh, but <laughs> cool runnings. Yeah, you know, <laughs> feel yeah. the rhythm. Feel the rhythm. Right. <laughs> Look out, church! It's bobsled time. Uh, <laughs> Almost not there yet. We're close to the season, but yeah. not yet. The reason we keep making drum jokes is because we made one on the first episode, and afterwards you were like, "We gotta keep that yeah. going." Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. Okay. <laughs> oh, we like to keep. We like to see how long a joke can go. That's yeah, right. but that's a podcast for another time. That's so. right. We have a podcast. Coming out. How long can you tell a joke? All right. Well, I tried to. Uh, I tried to allude to it in that in that drumming joke there, but we're going to talk about communion today. Which is a, a holy sacrament. I don't mean to make light of it. <laughs> it's a real one. It yeah, is a real yeah, one. Yes, <laughs> it's a real thing. Um, you know, but we're going to talk about communion. What is it? Why do we do it? We're mm-hmm. going to read some scriptures here that um, demonstrate people um, participating in communion. Mm-hmm. Kind of the first communion. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of laying out the what Paul says um, about communion in some right. places, um, and then we're just going to kind of apply that to our current understanding of communion and how we can practice it together as believers. Right. So let's start there. Communion really has its roots in um, the Last Supper, Mm -hmm. right? So we're going to read Matthew 26, verses 26 through 30. Mm -hmm. Now, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is being poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it with you, new in my Father's kingdom. After And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now I'm going to... Honestly, the only reason I kept 30 in there for this reading was because I just thought it was interesting that Jesus sang a hymn. Right. That's kind of interesting, right? Right, yeah. Like, I mean, my understanding of him was like glorifying God. And sure. It, it's pretty cool that, you know, Jesus, who's part of the Trinity, is glorifying God in hymns. Sure. What I think is really cool, too, I like that you added in there because if you, he's going to the Mount of Olives where he's clearly conflicted. Yeah. So like he's, and I don't mean conflicted in a negative way, but like he knows what's about to happen. He's, so yeah. he's also singing a song of praise on the way, right? right. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. there's this idea of I'm praising the Lord knowing I'm about to die. Right. You and know, not just die, but go through some pretty horrific things. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and so you can, you can't blame Jesus because at no point does he doubt it. No. And no. at no point does he waver. No. But he recognizes that this is difficult. Right, right. right? Yeah. And I think Father, the... if if you could take this cup, you know. Right. But if not, your will be done. Right. You know, and that's how he leaves. But I think that's a cool way. Like like you said, that's you have this this first last supper act that he does with the yeah. bread and the cup. Then they sing a hymn. Yeah. He glorifies his father. 
and then goes to the garden to literally be with him one last time before the events. It's a, that's a cool setup, you know? It is. It is a very cool setup. So let's talk a little bit about what they were doing here. So right. uh, the Last Supper was a Passover Seder meal. Mm-hmm. So that's our understanding of what was going on there. And right. we know that basically there's little um, hints and sets up, setups in the Gospels that right. tell us, like, this is the time of year it was, this is what was happening. Right. We talked about this when we talked about Easter. Right. Like, we know when Easter occurred. We have a right. really good idea. Really good. Because these calendars were... Mm-hmm. Um, kept right, and, and they were based on specific things. So we can look back at this and say, "This is what was happening." Right, right. So we know that this was a Passover Seder meal. Mm-hmm. Um, now, something that was interesting about this too is, like, you see it here in, in Matthew. He says, "But I say to you, I will not drink this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it with you new in my Father's kingdom." Mm-hmm. If you go to Luke twenty two fifteen through sixteen. It's a, it reads, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Mm. What's really cool about this to me was that Jesus knows that it's his last Passover. Right. Right. And, and he will not share this again with his disciples until the time of its fulfillment. Right. Right. What he's suggesting here is that he is the Messiah, because right. what this Passover is doing is it, it's prophesying of a savior, yes. of the savior, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And and so like they're going to do this in remembrance until they're going to do these meals until there's a fulfillment, fulfillment. And eventually there's this fulfillment in heaven, right? And he basically confirms what the prophets had said about this. It's like, and I won't partake with with you, you. again. Until. Until that time of fulfillment. Right. And I, I think that is such a really cool goosebumps moment for me. Is, sure. You know, because he's, this is who I am. And it's also such a great promise for what to look forward to. Sure. It's also an illustration of why we still do it today, right? Because Jesus even says, I, he doesn't say this is the only one. Uh-huh. He says, this is the last one. I won't be able to join in with you until I come back, right? So right. he's assuming this is going to continue on. Right, you absolutely. know, and not and Jesus doesn't assume he's he knows. You know what I right. mean? Like Jesus knows this is gonna. He's commanding this to continue on. So I think that's right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So so it's really really kind of a cool thing that's happening here. So this then becomes what we know today as communion. Right, right, and so it starts with this Passover Seder, mm-hmm. but it evolves over time, and and we see too like as. Christianity becomes Christianity, mm-hmm. even uh, with Peter, Paul, and John, and all of them. All right? the Beatles, yeah. And James, yeah. Uh, Ringo, <laughs> George. Uh, <laughs> as he's going, as this is developing, we see this being celebrated, right. even though Jewish customs are being left behind. Yes. Right? Because those customs were for an older covenant. Right. But as Jesus states here in this Last Supper, he says... Uh, this is my blood of the covenant, which is being poured out for mm-hmm. the forgiveness of your sins, right? So this is the new covenant now that we are under. Um, and so some of our, I guess, acts, sacraments, are things are kind of evolving and changing to reflect that as well. Right, right. Well, and I think that what's interesting, like you said, too, about this is the early Christians, well, for, for I mean, really long time, they were the way, they were part of, they were a sect of Judaism who believed the Messiah had come, um, you know, and so Jews for the long time really kind of thought they're just kind of crazy, radical Jews. But then as the Romans kind of began to persecute the Jews, just, you know, we've talked about this a lot, you know, right. as persecution occurred, they began to separate themselves from the Christians. As they separated from the Christians, 
they continued, Christians, continue, they gave up a lot of the law, right? Mm-hmm. We, we're we're going to talk about Paul today because he talks a lot about this because Paul is a great Jew who knows the law. Called himself the Hebrew of Hebrews. Yeah, he yeah. was. Yes, he is, he is the lawgiver of lawgivers. And he knows the law, but also understands the freedom that Jesus has. So there's this evolution of Christianity, which is trying to discover what it means to be a Jew who believes in the fulfillment of of the law, right? It's already... So right. So there is an evolution, and I think it's important to illustrate this, because Christianity, even still, and I'll be a little kind of cutting edge, I guess, or maybe provocative saying this, even still is rev- not evolving, but it, it, it's it's still unpacking some of this today, even. Mm-hmm. like, But especially in the early church, it's trying to figure out, like, okay, how does this work? How do we do it? What does that look like? Right. What did Jesus mean? And, and that's another thing too: is the disciples. They we read, we, you know, we read Matthew twenty six. The disciples are so ignorant they don't even know what's going on. Like even though yeah. he's telling them, "I'm dying, I'm dying," and they're all bickering about who's the best and who's who should be. You know, like they miss or like who who did he who's going to betray him? You know, like right. they're missing the point of this. So I think this is a lot of what we see, especially as we read on in the early church is. Christians are trying to trying to go back and be like, all right, what did God say? Like, what did what did Jesus tell us to do? And this is yeah. but this is one of those ones that was never in doubt. Right. This was always something they did. Yeah. So if we look at Acts two forty two, this is a um, interesting scripture. So they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Mm-hmm. So something you and I were talking about before we hit record on this was that. So it was like this is a scripture that people talk about as being a uh, evidence of communion in the early church. Right. There are other evidences, obviously, um, but breaking of bread and communion aren't necessarily the same thing. No, you know, and so right. what we're kind of seeing more is that uh, believers were regularly getting together and sharing a meal. Right at the beginning of um, at the beginning of the week. Yes, specifically. Right uh, to break bread, and so while they were getting together to, and and there was these things like the agape, yeah, agape uh, feast, love yeah. feast, whatever they call them, yeah, yeah, we uh, love we love a good feast on right. this podcast, exactly. yeah, oh yeah, bring me all the feasts, <laughs> bring me all yeah. the feasts, that's right, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> while these were not necessarily about communion, right, they were good opportunities to participate in communion, right. There wasn't there the the. I, and I think this is important for us to understand too. Communion, as we know and under not know, the way we know it today has always been, but the way we practice it today mm-hmm. has evolved over centuries. Yes. And and even, but here is where communion happened. In in, but breaking bread doesn't mean communion like we think of it. Yeah, it just means simply they got together, they ate together, they prayed together, and that's. But I think that's important. Is they were doing life together, and part of doing life together is remembering Christ's death together, right. you know? Right. So another verse like this, Acts 26 through 7, we sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, which, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, that's kind of insinuating um, Jewish festival. Yeah, well, well, the day of unleavened bread is also tied specifically with the Passover, so right. this same area, yeah. Um, and reached them at Tros within five days, and we stayed there for seven days. On the first day of the week when we gathered together to break 
bread. Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I love that he prolonged his message until midnight. I love that Luke writes that in there. Like, he's like, and Paul would not shut just up. It kept just going. kept going. <laughs> well, he brings it up to bring up a really important point, because this sets up the story of the kid who falls asleep right, in the falls window. Asleep, falls, yeah. Right. <laughs> but you know what? Here's an interesting practical take that we maybe should, you know, we always get mad at preachers who go too long because yeah. we're trying to get the lunch. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, if you eat first and, and then, then you can go all the way to midnight. Shoot, we should be starting at one. You yes, know? Right. Should, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that's yeah. right. So again, we're seeing here that there's some there's some understanding of Jewish custom. There's right. some uh there's some gathering together to break bread together as mm-hmm. believers. And I think that that was a that was a uniqueness that the Christians did have uh-huh. was the celebration of weekly meal. Yeah. Was a little uncommon. In the Jewish family, you would celebrate with your you know, for for Sabbath, you would Sabbath with your family or your extended immediate family. But these are complete strangers, for lack of better. You know, these are not related by blood relatives. These are so the fact that they're getting together to eat together on a weekly basis is a little bit strange, culturally speaking. Right. Um, but I say that just to highlight that that the Christians made that that was a choice, a conscious. They they made that yeah. decision to do that. Absolutely. All right, so now let's let's jump to First Corinthians because this here is where we're seeing Paul address people who are practicing very specifically something called the Lord's Supper, which right. is what we know as communion now. So this is First Corinthians eleven seventeen through thirty, and there's there's broader context on this as well. Like if you you, you can start a little sooner than seventeen and go a little further than thirty, but right. this this is the meat of it here. All right. Now, in giving this next instruction, I do not praise you, because you came, you come together not for the better, but for the worst. Mm-hmm. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that uh, I hear that division exists among you, and in part I believe it. <laughs> for there also have to be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Mm-hmm. Therefore, when you come together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For when you eat, each one takes his own supper first, and one goes hungry while another gets drunk. What? (laughs) Exclamation point. What? (laughs) Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? (laughs) Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What am I to say to you? Shall I praise you? In this, I do not praise you. I'm going to start saying that to people when they do something they don't like. In this, I do not praise you. In this, I do not praise you. (laughs) (laughs) For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. That's pretty rough. That is, yeah. But a person must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For the one who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not properly recognize the body. Mm. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number are asleep. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what we're seeing here is that communion has kind of shifted from being a little bit less of of a meal, but it's a little bit more becoming corporate here and kind of being in a corporate setting. Right. And so there's still like kind of a feasting that's going on right. in this context. Right. And and 
But Paul's like, if you're doing this to feast, you're doing this wrong. Right. Communion is not about the feast. Right. 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 Communion is about the remembrance. Right. Right. So this is where this is where communion begins to shift from from the full meal, which included the bread and the wine. Right. To Paul highlights specifically, he says you can eat at home. Right. Like eat at your house. What's important is the bread. He's he's drawing the importance of what's right. the most important part of the the feast that we're having. It's these two things right here. I told right. you that. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so what's uh, what's interesting about this though is he he, he you know you mentioned it's like you can go eat at home. Right. Like they were bringing this stuff together, and he he points out that one person is going hungry while the other Other is getting drunk. (laughs) Yeah, which is to say, one person is indulging on all the food, right? While somebody else has little, right, uh, or nothing at all, right? How then can they partake in the remembrance? Right, right. Right. (laughs) So, so there's there's definitely you're missing then. That Christ had done. It must have been an interesting church service if you got some yeah. hammered people there. I mean, well, you know, it was very Roman. <laughs> was you know, very, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, things were kind of things were kind of changing here as as you know they're moving into the Gentile right population, right? Most certainly, where they're starting to learn how to live in Christ as opposed to live in well, their... and that's part of the problem that Paul's facing. We were talking about this is the the people who are getting there early are the wealthy, right? Folks who who don't who either a don't have a job or have a job that is very nonchalant. The right. other the other folks are the poor folks who are either a out begging, b out working, probably more so out working if they're in the church because yeah. that's Paul's mo. He likes you to work, you know. So so these are the workers who are showing up, and they're they're it's it's the idea of like think of it this way: this the equivalent of what's happening there is like your your church decides they're going to have. Um, like a Bible study on a Wednesday night, let's say. Mm-hmm. And they say, this is actually something we want to do. They say they want to have a meal for everybody before the Bible study starts. So everybody right. can eat. What's happening is the people who are retired, who um, don't have jobs or have jobs that they can just kind of come and go when they please and they leave early, the wealthy, you know, the, or could maybe afford to yeah, buy something uh, extravagant ex- from the store. Exactly right. Yeah. They're showing up, they're setting up and going ahead and they're starting to eat where the the mom or the dad or or the guy who who works nine to five gets off and comes straight from work to church to eat. They're not getting any, so Paul's saying like you're 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 missing the point of what this is about. Like yeah. you've made this a class thing which is not what the meal is about. And you've also missed the single most important part is it's not about the food. Because I think he's also at the same time talking to the people who, you know, you can't be drunk. But also if you're getting there and you're like saying, I'm starving, like this, that's not what this is. That's not what this is about. Like this right. is not about, and I, and I hear this even in the, like church today. Uh, actually, Steve Harvey had a joke about it. Like, <laughs> and I know this is weird. Steve Harvey had a joke about it. Like he said, you know, like people at the church love to look for the biggest chunk of bread and he said it ain't it ain't no meal it's 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 the lord's body you know like yeah. and so but i think that that's even something that we 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 jokingly say today is it's not a meal right. it's it's a remembrance right and that's paul's what this is what paul's shifting to right now yeah i think the the key here that we're seeing is that the people who are participating are putting themselves first R- exactly right yes. and then the people who are there to be put first are coming in and not getting anything and not getting anything right um and then maybe also Arriving for the wrong reasons, they're arriving to receive something. Something exactly right, as opposed to remember something. Exactly right. Right. Yeah. Um, so he goes on, and then and the scribes kind of um, like the whole. Um, it basically, paraphrases what Jesus said very well. Right. I might add, um, you know, and Luke he hung out with Luke a lot. He did, and, and Luke wrote one of the gospels, so he had some of this knowledge. Sure. And so, um, 
But uh, when he gets down there, he, he talks about whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Basically saying, like, if you're performing this act of remembrance right. and this act of reverence towards God for what he did, right. which was to give of himself for the least of these, right, right, and you walk into that and you don't have reverence, right, and you're doing things that are antithetical to what he did, right, then... You you're kind of you're guilty of being. You're the reason why he died. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're the crucifier. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. you're the reason why he had to break his body and and pour out his blood. Yeah. And it's for this reason he says that a person must first examine himself mm-hmm. before he does this, which is why a lot of times if you go to a church and they're handing out communion, that's yep. They're telling you to examine yourself mm-hmm. before you partake. Right. It's just a biblical principle. Yeah. So I think this is something that, um, you know, as as we can continue here, like, obviously from that point, from from Paul on, we now have church history, right? Church theology, right? You know, and, but it all kind of derives from these scriptures mm-hmm. as well as from uh, maybe understanding of what people practiced, right, in the early church. Yes. Um, now, something that you uh, book that you mentioned to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that I would like to recommend to everybody else. There's a book called Holy Thanes by Gordon Lathrop. Mm-hmm. And Holy Thanes, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you gave me a quick little spiel about this, but it kind of it chronicles some of the traditions we have in the church yeah, and kind of how they pass. Yeah, through. like how did they become holy? Basically, hence the title. How did, how did things in the church get holy? Like how did... I mean, right. now, now, communion obviously has always been a holy thing, but he kind of talks about like where does it come from? How does it evolve? Because like you said, basically once Paul says this, we know the church has, has been doing this. Mm-hmm. We know to, for, that the church is still doing this. And we know in between, the church has never stopped doing this. Right. But how the church has done it has changed, has evolved, has, right. you know, and... and uh, rules and legalism have slid in, and then sometimes the the just the, lib- the liberalism has sli- has seeped in, and it's be yeah. you know, and so so it, it so but he it's a really and it's not just with this, it's with a lot of little things too as well, like even prayer, and so it's a, it's a great book. But if if you're looking for more on the history side of how and the theological side of how communion sh- is shaped to what we see today, it's it's a it's a really good book. Yeah, yeah. So definitely check that out. Um, so now that we've kind of laid that mm-hmm. foundationally, I think we just, you know, have a few questions now that we can just ask and talk through. Sure. Um, first of all, what is required for communion? Well, we, you know, that's a good question because we, we as an elder team and leaders here at our church, we, we ask that question because, you know, who can take communion, right? Because I think there's, there's, there's a, Two, there's a loaded question in there. Is at what age can you take communion, right? So like age of accountability, yeah, age of accountability, you know those kind of things. And so we, as a leadership team, we we went to the only thing you can do is go to scripture. And so we went to scripture, and so we read what we read what Paul said. And Paul talks about two things. First off, you have to recognize who Jesus is, like. Mm-hmm. That's important because it, you're doing this in remembrance of him. And I love Tommy, uh, one of our elders, always he says this when he when he does communion. And, I, and I've I've since adapted it because I think it's a really good, funny way of saying it. Is it's hard to remember someone you don't know, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so 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 you need you need Jesus. So you yeah. first our first requirement is is you need to have a relationship and a profession of Jesus as the Messiah. Right. You have to understand what the act is. Now, that doesn't mean you need to fully understand it, because I'm going to be real. I don't know if I can ever, you know, can you ever fully, truly understand the Lord and his greatness? 
you, you know, like you can understand some of it, right. um, but if you understand who the Lord is, that he died for your sins, that he was buried, cru- that he was crucified, buried, and rose three days later, that's that's what we mean when we talk about Jesus, okay? Right. And then our second re- our second requirement that we find biblically is right there in 1 Corinthians 11 there, he talks about you need to be examining yourself to make sure you're in a worthy way. And so what we talk about with that is talking about living um, repentance, if there's any sin you're holding in your life, or forgiveness. So like maybe you're maybe you're holy and you don't sin, but you're still holding the sins of others against that they've committed against you against them. Yeah. And so I like to say it's hard to receive God's forgiveness when you have not forgiven, because the Bible tells us forgive as He forgives. Yeah, you know this is interesting. It reminds me of our last episode. We did an episode on Halloween. Yes. And we kind of talked about this how like your intent has to be important yes. for certain things. But there's kind of a, a thought on here. Um, so like Paul says, for the one who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself. And if he does not properly properly recognize the body, mm-hmm. uh, for this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number are asleep. Um, you know, we talked about how you can't really unintentionally right. like enact some of these spiritual things, but maybe that's not fully the truth. Sure. What do you mean? Like, you know, like when Paul is talking to them, is are they blatantly, purposefully disrespecting the covenant, the sure the the communion, or are they misunderstanding its purpose? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's probably the latter, right? I doubt that they're blatantly doing these things. I think this is probably a misunderstanding of the purpose, right? So there there is a level of um, like when you're doing. Well, I think I'm trying to remember exactly the question you asked me when we recorded that, but uh, you had asked me a question about like, can you, like, can you glorify God with the demonic, you know, or something like right, that? Right, yeah, sure, sure, sure. You know, and it was like, uh, you know, we were kind of saying, well, you can't, like, if it's demonic, you're not glorifying, but basically, right. like, can you use the things of the world right. to glorify God? And, right. And like, we were basically like, well, everything in the world is God. God, sure, right? sure, That's sure. also in First Corinthians. Right, right, right. right. Um, so, so that is something that he's saying to these exact same people. Right. Everything in it, uh, in the world is um, God's, and everything belongs to Him. Um, but there is a kind of a a concept here that he's teaching about communion, about it, but it really comes back to not revering the work of Christ. Well, yeah, and I think so. Maybe the answer to your initial question that you just asked is maybe they weren't intent maliciously right. doing it, but maybe they were intentional. Like he, he, because he singles them out. He says, "You're, right. you know, I told you from the very beginning. This is what." Because he says it. He says, "I can't remember what verse." Um, where does he? Let me go back and say. Therefore, when he came together, sorts of. I'm looking for you. He says it somewhere in here where he says, I, t- I told you this. Um, given. Oh, yeah, here, this is what he says. For I received from this right there. For I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you. So he's saying, right. this is what I told you guys about it. Yeah, that's a great point. So so he's saying, I, I told you this is what you should be doing, and right. you're doing the opposite of it. So maybe sometimes it's not about whether you're intentionally doing something, but it's about the fact that you have not listened listen uh, yeah and you've you've refused obedience even if it was because you were dismissive right or you didn't pay attention right 
you should take the things of God seriously. Right. Is maybe where he's going with this. Right. Because I, well, and I think it's really interesting too, because he says, for, for this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number are asleep, which is how the Bible a lot of times describes dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, so Paul's attributing though their lack of respect for a lack of blessing. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, not not to get prosperity gospel here, but right. like, well, but you is, see, is like, it a lack of blessing or a uh, abundance of cursing? That that's, that might be what it is. Right. Yeah, yeah. But so so I wonder if there's so there's a there's there's got to be a disobedience in there somewhere for that. You know, I feel like maybe well, I'm wrong. Well, clearly they they did not listen. Right, right. And so it's you know disobedience can be like well. Why didn't hear you say that? You know, have your kids ever done that to you? Oh, sure. Like, hey, I told you to do this thing. I didn't hear that. Sure. It's still disobedience. Well, so because you didn't listen to me. So this, so this, (laughs) so this brings up a good question, right? So, like, kind of like what I said, a lot of people ask about communion, and we, you know, we do open table, and we can talk about all that stuff, blah blah blah. blah. But like, um, we don't have an age. We don't do we don't do confirmation in our church. Like that's not right. something um, we do. Believer baptisms and we do discipleship, obviously. But we don't have like, hey, you need to. We don't even do we don't even do membership in our church. So like, we do have a class that like gets you connected, um, but we don't require that to take communion. And we don't require you to take a confirmation class. So for example, like my kids are six and ten. Mm-hmm. Um, my son and daughter both invited the Lord into their hearts. Um, at, at like I don't know four, they've not been baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about that stuff, but 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 basically, they dedicated their lives to the Lord the best that a four or five year old could do. Sure. And it was at that point that we talked to them about what communion is, and it's mm-hmm. a, it's the way. And we the way we simplified it was well the way Paul simplified it was we said we just said it's a way for us to remember what Jesus did for us. Yeah. You know. And so they were like, well, does that mean we not get to take communion because we believe he did that for us. And I was like, of course. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so 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 we don't, you know, so but I, I say all that to say to go back to kind of Paul's point, are they heaping judgment upon themselves because they don't fully when I say examine themselves, mm-hmm. we talk about what we cause we take communion as a family. Like we'll we'll get our communion from the table, you know, because of how we do it. We let everybody come forward. And then we'll literally circle up as a family and we'll pray together and we'll talk together and we'll talk about forgiving. And so so I I think what Maybe it's happening here is Paul has given them parameters. They've refused to do it. And the unforgiveness is what's making them unworthy, right? They're not they're not eating it in the way that it's supposed to be done. But he says, whoever breaks his cup in an unworthy way, but a person must examine himself. And the, you know, so they're not I don't think they're they're not examining themselves. I think that's the problem. I find that interesting. You say it's the unforgiveness. You know, like when I'm reading these scriptures, I don't see forgiveness in it. Yeah, I know. I when you were have, yeah. have you noticed that? And and you know that's I, f- I find that interesting that there is such an emphasis put on forgiveness. Sure, but isn't it isn't it that the point of what Christ did for us? Right, was to forgive us of our sins. Right, right, right. right? And he says that when he drinks the cup, drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant which is being poured out for many for forgiveness, forgiveness. Right. of sins. So when you refuse to forgive those who have wronged you, right, um, you're you're essentially kicking dirt. On, at, right on, at the communion, because right. that was the act that you're remembering. Right, was the offering of forgiveness, which is why that ties in so. Well, much. and we and we emphasize forgiveness a lot here, only just because of you know, with the cup, it's measured, it'll be poured out to you. You know, like, yeah. and so so we we like to talk about the ideas of, and I think 
theologically speaking, we view communion, obviously communion as, as an act, as a remembrance, but we also view it as an opportunity for reconciliation. Sure. You know what I mean? So like sometimes communion becomes conflict management in the church, you know, because it's an opportunity for you to say, hey, remember what Jesus did for you? And remember how he tells you to do that to others? Here's an opportunity, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, too, Jesus talks about how this is his new covenant with us. Right. Right? And so, like, when we think of that concept, this new covenant with Christ, it's it's about salvation through Christ, right? Right, right. It's about serving Christ because it's in him that we find who we are. It's our salvation. It's all those things. Right. So, like, the his act mm-hmm. to create that covenant was the sacrifice. Sure, sure. Right? So when we remember that, we are, in, in an essence, mm-hmm. rereading that agreement. The covenant. <laughs> right? You're 100%. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're reading our terms and conditions right. yeah, every time. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> I, way of putting I, I, it. Yeah. Well, I hate to say it that way to a degree because I don't want it to sound legalistic. No, but it's there's a truth in it. And because I also think that the, it's funny that Jesus has enough foresight to know that we need to, what, it's like, it's funny, like, it's, I always say this, like, I would never be so dumb as the Israelites to be in the desert <laughs> with, you know what I mean? We always use yeah. that example, like, I, and I'm literally, he's a, he's a pillar of fire at night, and then I'm going to suddenly not believe in him or not listen to him. Right. You know, Jesus is the same way. Like, Jesus is like, I know my death is going to be life-changing, world-changing, time is literally going to shift on my death, but do this in remembrance of me. You're yeah. going to, you're still going to need to remember me. Like, yeah. that's how, that's how bad you guys are. You know what, you know what I just, I thought of was, okay, so you think of, so we talk about the Israelites, right? you know, when they go and they, uh, when they turn, so they did, they follow Moses and there's the pillar and there's the fire right. and there's all this stuff. And then Moses goes up onto the mountain. And he's gone. And he's gone for too long. Yeah. And they lose patience. And what do they ultimately think happened? Yeah. That God has abandoned them. Right, right, right. Right. So now they need to turn to new gods. Right. And it got me to thinking like, man, this is such a law versus spirit thing, such a, you know. Sure. Is that like they needed, they wanted like some type of written agreement. Right. When they had seen all of these things, right? Right. But like the but the fruit of the spirit is patience, right? You know, like right. Um, they did. They had no patience, <laughs> right? Right, because they weren't in the spirit. They were they were in this logical law giving type right. mentality, which is God meets people where they are. But anyway, I guess that um, you know, you know, it's a little bit of a side, but uh, to to the point of communion, like right. Communion for us is about that mile marker moment of remembering. Right. It helps us to where we don't follow false, false idols because we remember God hasn't abandoned right. us. And see, yeah. that's the thing. They were looking to what God was going to do next, right. not remembering what it was he had already, already done. done. Right. You know, our salvation, everything that we need from God has already right. been done. Sure, sure. It is finished. Sure. Right. Now we just need to get to the finish right. line. And that's, and, but that's where the danger is, right? Because now we're living futuristically, like we're going to, we're living with the promise. Right. They were living with the promise that there is a land. We haven't seen it. We don't know where it's at yet, but right. we're going to it. But they weren't looking back. And so Jesus says, here is your marker, Christians, to right. remember, I have not forsaken you. And then you at know? some point, right. we will take of this meal with him right. in the in the kingdom. Which is something I guess I never really even thought about. It's like, you know, is the first act of the third installment of the Bible, you know, the new New Testament, the post-New Testament, is that is it is it an act of communion with all of God's redeemed creation? Like, what a cool, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it was eating that got us out of the garden, and it's eating that brings us back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's kind of a cool, 
you know, man, God's got like some deep levels of thought here God in this loves stuff. To eat too, you yeah. know, God, God loves a good feast. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so I think we talked a little bit there spiritually about what's right. required for communion. What about what about um, practically? Like, mm. Does it have to be bread and alcohol, wine? Like, what is it? That is the single funniest question I've ever been asked. Not not not, <laughs> not saying that you're just dumb, but I mean, like, I have a really funny story about that. So so. Lathrop and, and holy things and, and some of the stuff I learned, you know, um, through school has talked about like the transitions of communion over the because f- so it started as a meal, but it had the bread and the wine element. Mm-hmm. Then Paul kind of begins saying, "Hey guys, it's the bread and the wine's the point. Like I've told you, that's what Jesus told us to do." The, so it starts to it doesn't it still has the meal mentality. They're always breaking bread, but the the, the meal mentality becomes communion becomes this this is communion. Mm-hmm. What happens over time is, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this before, like historically speaking, you know, Constantine, who obviously created the faith right. and did everything, usually, but, but around that 300 marker, the church begins to move out of homes and out of basements and out of crypts, you know, I mean, they were, they were, they were hiding and they begin to move into the forefront, into bigger buildings. Well, here's the problem. You were making a meal in a home before, now you don't have the meal element. So right. now you really are just focusing on the bread in the wine. Not every church has a kitchen. Right. Not every church has a kitchen. Some have three. Like we, you know, we've got, we got kitchens out the wazoo here. Um, shows we like to eat. Shows our, shows our problem as a church. Um, and so, so, you know, so there's an element that moves there literally with the elements of bread and wine. Well, that continues on for a really long time, but then the holiness movement comes about in early Americas and, and even in, in, in Europe, it happens, where they're like, we can't have strong drink. And for alcohol to be being served to alcoholics, yeah. like, so so to give them wine, and, and, and now the argument has been the wine was cut with water, you know, whatever. So then the holiness movement comes in and says, okay, it's grape juice, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, so it's grape juice. And, and so I'm saying all this to say that there is a precedent of a little bit of fluidity in yeah. – in, communion. Now, here's the funny story. I had a friend who was a youth pastor a while back called me and he said, Brandon, I got a question for you. And I said, yeah, what's up? He said, I need to run this by you. I was like, I don't know. What, what authority do I have? I was like, no, don't run. I ask myself that every yeah, day. Yeah, I, yeah. Know. I, I was like, I asked myself, why am I running this by me? Uh, I said, what is it? And he said, well, okay. So he's like, I'm, I'm doing a, a lesson tonight at youth. And he's like, and I want to do communion. And he's like, and it's on communion. I want to teach the kids about communion and what communion is. He's like, but I don't want to do bread and juice because the whole point of my whole lesson on communion is what God is doing is amazing and it's good and it's it's life changing. And I was like, okay. He's like, so I want to use something else. I was like, okay. And he's like, are you ready for this? Are you are you ready for this? I'm, I'm holding on to my seat. Yeah, he, he asked me, he said, are you ready for this? He said, I would like to use a chicken quesadilla from Taco Bell and a Baja Blast. And I was like, uh, he's like, is that going too far? And I was like, bro. I don't even know how to answer that question. Can I have a can I have a chicken quesadilla? First of all, the holier quesadilla is the steak quesadilla. Okay. <laughs> well, so so let me let me tell you what happens. I agree. I agree. The steak quesadilla is the best. So he said, but like I want, he's like, I want them to like understand that like like, like I don't want to steal cracker and and like flat grape juice. Like I want them to like understand that like God is like, that's the whole thing. And I said, look, dude, like 
goes back to the intent. I said, like, if if the spirit is leading you in that direction, I said, who am I to tell you otherwise? I said, I think as long as you help them understand that the bread and the juice is sufficient, that that communion isn't always going to be <laughs> cheese or the chicken quesadilla and 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 Baja Blast. I said, but to help them introduce it, I, I said, I I mean, I said I would definitely. I'm not your pastor, so I was like, I would definitely talk to your boss. Oh heck yeah! I was yeah. like, don't, and don't be like, well, this other guy told me, uh, and and so he did, and they did. And, and here's the best part about it. He's, so he, he called me. I asked him. I saw him like, I mean, months after it. But I remembered. I was like, dude, how did it did it go? He's like, yeah, dude, it went really well. He's like, the kids really received it. He said, but here was the most unexpected thing that happened. He said was, I held up the quesadilla to break. Because he said he so he does he sets he said I set the table like he's like I set it up really well and I told him why we're doing this instead of this other thing because I want to illustrate the goodness and he's like and I could think of nothing better now you know so yeah. he you know he, and he's appealing to the kids he's using it up yeah he's yeah. using it up and and so he said but what the best part was was he took the quesadilla above his head and he broke it and the cheesy goodness just strings of cheese and he said it was string it was so stringy he said that I was like arms length apart with it and he's like just trying to break the cheese and he's like but all the kids were like oh that looks so good like he's like it was he said it almost became sacrilegious at that point he's like but I didn't think no, of the no, cheese no no no, no. <laughs> how could you not believe that that's the provision of God like what like you know like instead of breaking the bread you're doing the cheese yeah, bowl and the cheese and, bowl and yeah. you get the ultimate cheese bowl I'm saying like that. right you don't even get a good cheese bowl like yeah, he commercials said it was do, just, use glue to make it it's, better it's, right that's what it, that's yeah. exactly he said it looked perfect he's oh like and it was God. like drooping and so so my answer to your question is the more common is bread and wine because that's what Jesus does Right, and I think we are our goal. Sorry, I'm wiping the tears from my eyes talking about chicken quesadillas. <laughs> um, you will probably never see a chicken quesadilla in our service, um, not because I'm anti chicken quesadilla, but the Lord has never said. But we try to be as close to what God tells us to do as possible, and which so is, which is a gordita, which, which yeah. is a gordita, which is a gordita. <laughs> right, right, and so so um, we, I mean, we even we even do in our church, we do like we try to get like unleavened bread, like so we make our own bread, and so we do unleavened just to try and replicate that moment. Right. Well, you know, I think there's something to be said about like when it was done. It was done during the Seder meal. Sure. Right. There is symbolism. Sure. To every bit about that. A hundred percent. Right. So, right. having it as close as possible to that. Right. Makes so much sense practically. Sure. Right. Now, could you do it impromptu? Like I would right. never personally. And I'm not judging your friend. I would never personally plan a communion meal with a quesadilla. <laughs> Trust me, I don't. Okay? Uh, and definitely not with a Baja Blast. <laughs> That's just not my thing, right? Um, but when I think about, like, okay, so when I was in college, right? Um, you know, we had a Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving came up. We weren't in school. Mm-hmm. And most people would go home, so the dorms are kind of empty. And I got permission. And so me and a few friends were there. I got permission. We didn't have, like kitchens in our rooms. Sure. Because the men's dorms was literally a Sheridan hotel. Sure, sure. And so we're in like a tiny hotel room. And it, <laughs> you know, you've got your little mini fridge and all that stuff. Right. But, there, but the the assistant to the dean of men had a kitchen because mm-hmm. there was a kitchen downstairs. And so he gave me permission to make mm-hmm. a Thanksgiving Day meal. Sure. And so I made turkey and had the mashed potatoes. That's and very cool, yeah. And I and I like got ha- – most of it was pre-made. I just had to like heat it Sure, down. sure. And I got it from like Albertson's grocery store. <laughs> 
because this was in Dallas. And so, and I brought it all up. And so we had some, and so we had some bread there and I had some grape juice. Sure. And so there was like maybe six or seven of us. And I said, you know what? I can't think of a better time to do communion. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very than cool. Among the fellowship of the, uh, of believers, you know? Right. And so we, everybody took a little grape juice uh-huh. and we took rolls, uh-huh. you know, because uh, I think we had like dinner rolls. Sure, sure, sure. You know, so we so we used dinner rolls, sure, dinner rolls, and we prayed together, and and you know what? In some aspects, uh, someone might look at it and say it's a little cheesy, and other, but for those of us that were there, like we honored God a hundred percent, and then we fellowshiped and communion with one another. Sure, right. So that's what communion is, right? So right. Like, if I hadn't had rolls, would I have said that I couldn't do it? Right. You know, I, maybe I'm not using mashed potatoes because you can't really... Right, you can't. you got to get that break. That break is so, right. like, that's, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's something about it. But so, like, I feel like there is there is a symbolism sure. that's involved with keeping it as close as possible. Sure. But never limit the move of the Spirit... 100%. ...to, um, to like, finite things. Right, because we try to be accurate with unleavened bread, but we don't try to be accurate with wine. We do grape juice. Right. And that's partly because we have, like, five different AA groups that meet in our building, and we have a That's large awesome. constituent of our group that have come from those AA groups who are now worshiping with us. So the last thing we want to do is be promoting temperance and then right. being like, hey, come over here and take a little sip and let you get back on the horse, you know? Yeah. So so I, I, I think I think there is... I'm I might like I said, I'm like you. I'm call me old fashioned. Uh, I like a more traditional bread mm-hmm. and juice idea only because like you said, there is something symbolic about every single I mean, Jesus doesn't just do things. He he takes them to a level of like you're still like I still think when I read things, I'm like, golly, I never even understood what he was doing there. But that even that little thing he just did, that little like gesture means so much more than it just like right. you know and so um so, so yeah I, I think I think you can um but I think you want to try and be as authentic as possible but again this goes back to what we've been talking about with Halloween right. walking it's all about the the authenticity of the spirit right you it, know there's a here's the thing when you're trying to have reverence for something right right when you go back to the conversation we had about Halloween we talked about the genetic fallacy like well right. this may have been the origins but this isn't what we're doing now right the thing about communion is we are trying to do the thing that was done right then. that is a celebration that right. literally is a like I think that is a remembering celebrating right. uplifting of that so maintaining that I think can be important I sure. just don't want to limit the spirit sure you know um yeah like I said I'm probably not gonna do Baja blast in a quesadilla but if it works for a youth group for them to understand the the like and 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 he said you know they all everybody wanted to take communion that day and and like yep. that was but that was kind of his tag was like yeah. so you're running to or don't run to a quesadilla run to Jesus like that's kind of that was kind of his whole illustration like and so you know there's some stretching literally there's and it was cheesy and literally you know there's there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of that but. But I always say this, like, who am I to limit what the Spirit places yeah. on you? Yeah. Now, you know what my my practical concern would be about doing something like that, about trying to make it cool, mm-hmm. is is are you doing what Paul's saying here? Right. Are right? you missing out on the... Right. So he has to really stick the landing, so to speak, sure. on his teaching sure. and get them to understand that what they're doing isn't about... The we should go back and pool. We should... We should, we should uh, Kind of pull all the kids together and pool their uh, understanding of communion and see yeah. how it see how it hit. Yeah, we'll call George Barna and see if we can. We'll get, get, a, bar, get Barna okay. a few research study if we can. Yeah. Okay, so we we kind of talked about some of these things already. So communion is not for the unbeliever, right? You know, um, 
because it wouldn't make sense. Right. You you, you got to be able to recognize what Jesus did. Um, communion is not necessarily limited to uh, you know bread and wine. Right. Uh, but authenticity, authenticity. Clo- the closer you are to authenticity, brings more reverence. Right. Um, here's another question: Should communion only be administered by trained professionals in corporate settings? So, like I've already said, no, because I shared the story about how. Right. Now we were in training; it was Bible college. But what is a What is a trained professional? Like, am I well, a trained professional? Well, there are. You're, <laughs> you're, I mean, that's I a don't want to answer question. that question. That's yeah. a dangerous question. You're trained. You're not a professional. <laughs> uh, oh, that's awesome. So, well, think about think about like some of the more liturgical groups. Right. A hundred percent. Catholicism is the easy one to point out there, right? Because th- for them, it's a v- there's a very specific thing. Like you, you have to say certain words. Yeah, and the priest is the one who gives you, mm-hmm. and the priest can say you're not permitted to have it. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, right? yeah. They, yeah. they can most certainly make a yeah. judgment. Right. So, like, is that is that a necessity? Is that something that we need to be looking at? Like, should we be gatekeeping I, the table? The, the, that that's the real question. Can should you gate t- gatekeep? the table. Um, my answer, and it might make some people mad because they do gatekeep is no. Like while we talk about, when I talk about open table, I don't mean like progressive, like, you know, ideas of open, you know, I, what we mean by open table is we mean, it doesn't matter who, where you came from. Like if you're Lutheran, Catholic, Methodist, church of God, non-denominational, yeah. affiliated, unaffiliated, you know, like yeah. does it, the table, Jesus set the table for everyone, all of his disciples. Yeah, but we did point out, like, it's not for the unbeliever. But it's not for the unbeliever, right. right. So in a sense, you are gatekeeping. You have to gate, well, yeah, you but, have to gate, but I'm not... But you're not administering. I'm, yeah. You're trusting people to make the decisions and understand the consequences thereof. Well, that's where we come in with the last part, which the right. second one was, hey, if you don't know who Jesus is, this really isn't for you. But also, if you do know who Jesus is, and you're not taking it in the right way with forgiveness right. and all, you know, so I think that's where the judgment is. And we've, we've even said, like, you're heaping a judgment onto you by doing this in the wrong spirit. And right. so, so yeah, you, you, but gay, I like, I, I don't gatekeep at all. Literally we, how we do it, we set the table. Like I do, I talk about it. I, I think anybody can administer it as long as they stick to the story. And by that, I mean, like, as long as they talk about what Jesus is doing and what this means, yeah, and, and anybody can do that. Like, you don't need to be trained. Like, only thing that I was trained on is literally I got to practice it. Like, I had a class that literally it was it was called litur- lit- liturgical practices, mm-hmm. and like I learned how to baptize people. Like, just so that way I don't drown the first one. Like, and like when I'm in front of a church, I don't screw up and like be like, well, I don't know what this is about. Like, this is bread and this is juice. Go it's at a, it. The thing that we do. Yeah, you know, it's just you know. So so. The training gave me the opportunity to practice, but like, for example, Tommy, mm-hmm. he's an elder in our church. Um, he does it, not because he's an elder. I mean, he is an elder and that helps, but like, I trust Tommy and I kind of talked him through it. I kind of said like, hey, here's kind of like what I do. Make it your own, you know, hit the highlights. It's about Jesus. It's about yeah. remembrance, you know. Um, but we we set the table, literally, we break the bread, we do everything, and then we tell you to come forward at any point in our service. Yeah. So we try to leave it as open as possible. Now, I do understand the benefit of, like, the Baptists have a closed table. You have to be baptized, and you have to be a member of their church. Not a, I'm not being not – I'm just saying this is what the Baptists practice. I do see a value in that because you do – you now know that everybody understands – yeah, to a certain extent, theologically at least, what they're doing. But to me, I go back to the fact of like, can you ever fully one hundred percent 
understand the mystery. It's like kind of like what we were talking about with Ethan a few episodes back. Like there are mysteries of God that sometimes we just have to say that's mysterious. Yeah, but if we're going to say that like this is for the saved, right? If you have a closed membership type table, it makes sense. You can you've got to gauge on whether or not somebody is saved. You've taught it to a degree, right? You know that they have. You know that. They've been told. Right. right. Our, yeah. And I think part of our our denomination, and you might have experienced this coming from like a non-denominational background, is like our denomination was very much so anti, um, we're going to tell you what you can and can't do mm-hmm. in the church. And so when it came to communion, they were very much so like, we're not here to tell you like, yeah. you like, you're, you're sorry, you're like, for example, like I, I share this story sometimes. I was... I, I dated a Lutheran girl for many years, and her dad was a pastor of a church. I went to his church. I went up to take communion. It became this whole ordeal because I'm not supposed to technically take communion in the Lutheran church because I wasn't confirmed in the oh. Lutheran church. But yet I was dating his daughter, so I unintentionally put him in this very awkward position where he was like either going to deny me communion and me be very bitter towards him or... Um, kind of screw the whole system. And he screwed the whole system, which I do appreciate because I, I mean, I took, you know, but, but so uh, I think it makes sense. But for me, theologically, I look at what Jesus does here is he gives it to the room. Uh-huh. He doesn't examine, he gives it to, to, to Judas. Like Judas right. is in there. So like, well, I, I think too, though, he doesn't, he, Give it. No, like, he didn't. He, he didn't. He didn't come true. out and be like, "Hey, okay, now I'm going to wheel out the cart, right. and here's the wafers, <laughs> right. and here's right. the yeah. juice." Right. Yeah. Right. They were already partaking of this feast. Right. 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 Which already had its own symbolism. Right. right. And he was taking it to this next part of like, this is the new covenant now. Right. That you take it with me. Right. Right. And and so they didn't have to go get up and stand in front That's of everybody the... and grab the. Right, right. Exactly right. Yeah. And now to your point. Yeah. Judas was there. Right. Partaking with them. Right. And ultimately, we know what happened. Right. With him. Right. But he heaped that on himself. Right. You know. And so I think that that's so. So that would be to, to answer your question. Do you have to be a trained professional to serve communion? No. I think you just have to be. I, I will say I do think you need to be a mature enough Christian to understand the basic tenets. Yes. Of it. So like you listen to this podcast. You're going to be, I'm kind of speaking facetiously, but also kind of truthfully, if you understand what we've been talking about so far, you're yeah. probably qualified to sit in a dorm room with your friends yeah. and and give communion, and it'd be just as holy of a moment as if I did it right. on a Sunday. Right. It's really about that connection with the Spirit. Right. Um, you know, and, and having the maturity to understand what you're doing. Right. And that's the thing is a, a true, uh, you know, I think for a lot of people, a mark of maturity is that, you know, that is that collar. Sure. You know, having that, like, I uh, know this person's a trained professional. Right. I know they've done this. Right. And so it's easy to lean into that, but it's not a necessity. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, I also think it's really weird that people would like place the bread in your mouth for you. I don't know. That's just. Or why you would drink from the same cup. Like yeah. I mean, I get the theology behind it because it was this is the cup, mm-hmm. but like I'm thinking like oh the germs, and then they use that yeah. they use that cloth, and they use the same area of the cloth to wipe the cup the whole time. So it's just afraid of germs when I mean that's in the why of Christ. It's by his that's why <laughs> that we were healed, Brandon. Yeah, well I don't I ain't trying to drink after. I mean, what if they got floaties? You know what I mean? Oh, Ew, gosh. gross. Oh, gross. <laughs> okay, 
All right. So the important thing here, I think what we keep getting back to is the important thing is what are we remembering? Right. You know, and Isaiah 53, five through six says, but he was pierced for our offenses. Mm -hmm. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment for our well-being was laid upon him Mm -hmm. and by his wounds, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way but the Lord has caused the wrongdoing of us all to fall on him. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to remember here. Right. Like When he talks about, this is my body broken for you, mm-hmm. he's not saying the bread is his body. Right, no, no. He, it was a very symbolic act, not right. a literal thing. Right, Of, like, his body was going to physically be broken. Right. And his blood was going to physically be spilt. Right. Right, so that's where the cup uh, and the bread came into play. Right. was because you could spill the cup, and you could break the bread. Right, right. right. It was it was symbolism. Right, right. Most right. certainly, right. For what he was actually going to do. Right, and we'll and we'll probably get into the transubstantiation, consubstantiation. You know, is the body of Christ when they break it? Does it really become? You know, because that's the whole argument. We can unbreak. We can unpack that sometime. But like, like you said, this is all symbolic of, and he's trying to. And we have to understand context. Context is key. He's trying to prepare his disciples for what's about to happen in less than twenty four hours. Right. You know. So the symbolism of a body being broken. He was pierced for our transition. Our transaction. Transactions, not transgressions, transgressions, <laughs> uh, and 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 it, so think about that. He's pierced in his hands, mm-hmm. and then his side is pierced, pierced, and blood pour literally pours out. It's yeah. clear, but it pours blood out. Water, you know? yeah. And so, so I he this is prophetic in a lot of ways. You yeah. know, um, so so yeah, so we can we can kind of nip that debate in the bud here really easily. But some people may if so if you want to talk about that more, put it in the con comments that you'd like to hear about transubstantiation. We yeah. don't necessarily want to talk about it, but we will if you want us to, maybe in 10 years. Yeah, so. maybe it'll be a short uh, video. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. At some point. Um, we're not cannibals, though. That's the most important thing. Right. Because that was a, yeah, we're not cannibals. And that was a charge levied against the early church. It was. Right, it because, was. because we talked about the body and the yeah. blood. All right. Um, so we've kind of covered some of this stuff already, but mm-hmm. just wrapping this up, what should we do to prepare ourselves before communion? I think the first step Nothing, here, just run up. Let's just go up, grab <laughs> As much as you can. Take yeah. as much as you can. Yeah. Juice and wafers. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I think the first thing we should do here uh, is we need to, as we've already stated, we need to remember what Jesus has done. Right. We need to really sit and think about that. Right. And recall, like, and think about Isaiah 53 here. What did Jesus do? Why did he do it? Right. Right. This is a moment to think about what salvation is, mm-hmm. why you needed it, and also to find joy in the fact that you do get it. Right. Right. Um, so reflect. Yeah, I think time is important, and I think a lot of people, we try to give as much time in our service as possible. We literally do one song, prepare the table, and then say, you can come up before, I mean, in my sermon, if you need to, you can come up and you can get it whenever you want. But part of the reason why we do that is because I don't think a lot of people take the time. I think they hear communion is there. I need to take communion. We're taking communion today. Well, I've only got one song to get through it. Right. And so right. so they try, to, they try to rush through it. And so, you know, I even jokingly say, like, if you need me to come give it to you during the week, like, I'll do that. I jokingly say that, but, like, that's the truth. It's like, I think time is so important because if you don't remember, like, if you don't truly remember, like, you're missing out on the value of what we're doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, my personal, 
tradition, I think, is I like to have it in my hand. Sure. Oh, like, for sure. So I'll, and hold I'll, it. Yeah. I'll get up there and get it, and then I, I want it in my hand because it's now it's like it's it's real. It's sure. real. It's sure. there. And then I sit and I think about it, and I've got the I've got the body, and I've got the blood in my hand, and right. now I'm reflecting. Right. 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 You know. Um, yeah. So the next thing you want to do is examine yourselves. And I think mm-hmm. I start with that probably. Sure, sure. Before, like I like to reflect I like to examine myself mm-hmm. before I get the bread and the I think that's I think that that's a, an argument for standardizing your communion mm-hmm. is if people come to know and expect communion whether it's weekly, monthly, annually, whatever, they have the opportunity to examine themselves before, like, you know what I mean? A springed on communion can sometimes be a bad thing in the aspect of like, if, if, if you, if you just had the worst day and you just cussed out your boss, right? you probably aren't going to be taking communion that day because you're not in the right headspace to go. And I've, I know, and I know people at our church who have said, Hey, I've got this going on and I'm not taking communion today. Not because I'm hateful, but because I know my heart's not in the right place because I've examined myself and right. said, I'm not there and I need to get there. Right. And that's the thing. While you need to be saved to take communion, right. communion is not a marker of salvation. hundred percent. Right? Yes. So that's you, true. you can take the time off yes. because you want to prepare, you want to... You'd rather you, do it right than do it wrong. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You want to, you want to do it with reverence. A hundred percent. Yes. So examine yourself. Um, think of anything that God might want you to address and repent of, um, as well as... Um, we kind of talked about this, offer forgiveness for those things. So like, yes. okay, yeah, I've got the boss that I'm angry at. Okay, well, I need to forgive them. Right. You know, um, before I can do this. Because because God forgave me before I was repentant. Right. You know, um, and then I think the last thing, we kind of already talked about this a little bit too in the reflection part, but the, I think the last thing here, and, and the notes look a little different than the way I'm saying this, but is we we can then celebrate. Yeah, right? like we. Sh- this is a joyous moment. It should be. Yes. There's a level of of somberness, but mm-hmm. Christ did not die and die. <laughs> right. right. He, he was right. Not, he suffered and he went through that suffering, but he did it for the joy that was set before him. Right. And he did not stay in the grave. He rose from the grave. Right. A hundred percent. That broken body is now glorified. Right. And in heaven with God the Father. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So it makes no sense necessarily to have a, a communion that just stays down because right. he didn't stay. Down. I mean, he's up. Yeah, you know, he right. is. He is risen. You know. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's funny. And I like to. I like to like our family how we do it. And this isn't right or wrong. We just we also put an emphasis on like sharing it. So finding someone to share it with, whether it be a right. family member or someone else in the congregation, because that's what Jesus did. He shared it with his disciples. You know. Right. And so we have the opportunity to share because there's. I think there's to your to your point. That's where the joy comes in. Is, yeah. Is your communing. That's part of it, you know, koinonia being the community, the, the Greek word for community, we're in the midst of that, mm-hmm. having communion together. It's yeah. meant to be a relational thing, both both vertically and horizontal. Right, because it's not just communion with those around you, but it's you're in communion with Christ. Horizontals yeah. left to right, right? Hor- horizontals, Okay, yeah. what's di- diagonal? I want to make sure I wasn't saying diagonal. And then vertical. Yeah, and vertical. Right, right, yeah. And so it's everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, communion is about remembering the price that Christ paid for yes. us so that we could be reconciled to the Father. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, and and there's joy in that. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, that's that's communion. That is communion. Yeah, in a, yeah. In a nutshell, so to speak. That's right. I better go get those cheese quesadillas ready. Right. Yeah, that's right, man. I think I know what I'm doing for you. <laughs> <laughs> any, last, uh, any last things we want to say before we head on out? Oh, you know what? I will I will say this. The Bible says as often as you do, do some remembrance of me. Um I think you illustrated this earlier, 
and I wanted to say this, you know, we only do communion here once a month because we don't want to partly some churches do it every week, some do it, I, I don't think there is a right or wrong. I think mm-hmm. it's, it says often. It doesn't say what does that mean and when right. you do it, do it in remembrance. We do it monthly only just because theologically speaking, we we don't want to cheapen it. I don't mean you cheapen it, but like just lose the meaning. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it we've made it such a repetition like well, it's- it's kind of like I don't say nice things to people, right? Because when I do, it's really valuable. It'll, it'll exactly. More. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's a part, and so so there's and there's a truth in that of of how we approach communion is we don't want to do it so much that it loses the meaning to where you're just doing the act because yeah. there's no value in the act. There's a value in the remembrance. Yes. And so so that's why we do it. But but you can do it weekly if you can. But I said that to say if if you're and people have asked me like I want I would like to do communion more. Okay, do it. Like you can do it in your house with your family or with your friends or with coworkers, even at work that you have that have a common bond of, of Christ. You know, like yeah. do as often the, the Bible says, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And and I love what what um, John Wesley used to say about this is he couldn't get enough of it. Like he tried to do it like multiple times a day. <laughs> like, you know, and, and that's just because that's how John Wesley was. But I think like I think that's the approach that we should have not just communion, but what it symbolizes, God's grace, forgiveness, freedom, joy. And so that's kind of what I would just like to leave on is that's what communion is. It's rooted in those things. And so we should want those things, and we should want to do them as often as we possibly can. I agree. There you go. Just like listening to drums, man. I want to do that as often as as I possibly can. As often as we possibly can. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Never gets old. (laughs) 